Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Today's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Between writing notes, filing insurance claims, and scheduling with clients, it can be hard to stay organized. That's why I recommend Therapy Notes. Their easy-to-use platform lets you manage your practice securely and efficiently. Visit TherapyNotes.com to get two free months of Therapy Notes today. Just use the promo code TherapyChat when you sign up for a free trial at TherapyNotes.com. Thanks also to DoxyMe for sponsoring this episode. DoxyMe is an easy-to-use, HIPAA-compliant telehealth platform that is available in free and paid versions. Get $50 off a paid account by going to doxy.me and putting in the code TherapyChat. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm very pleased to be bringing you an interview with a therapist and coach who is also the host of Unapologetically Sensitive Podcast. My guest today is Patricia Young. Patricia, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. You're so welcome. I'm really glad we could do this. I'm excited to talk to you. I've been interested in your work for a long time because you focus on working with highly sensitive people, which is a group of people that I probably am part of, but don't really know <laughs> that much about. For some reason, I haven't I haven't really immersed myself in learning about that. So I think that there are many of us who probably are highly sensitive people and don't realize it. And especially during this current outbreak crisis that we're all living through, for people who are highly sensitive, it may be amplified even more than than it is for people who don't have that trait. So excited to talk to you about that. But before we even get into it, let's just start off, if you will, by telling our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm moving more into a coaching model. I find it works better with my highly sensitive clients. Mm -hmm. I've been a social worker for, I don't know, a lot of years. I always suck at these. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to be upfront with you about that. 
There the is no is getting about- this wrong. It's just <laughs> you talking about yourself. So it's all good. I learned about the trait of high sensitivity a couple of years ago. And it I was thinking about launching a podcast. And when I learned about it, it just made so much sense. And it validated everything that I'd experienced in my life. It really felt like there was something wrong with me. I didn't fit in. I It just I felt like I was a misfit. And learning about the trait and learning that this is how I'm wired was so validating. And it really became clear of what I wanted to do with my podcast. I shifted all of the work that I was doing to work with highly sensitive people. If you've been told you're too sensitive, you think too much, you worry too much, you can't take a joke, you analyze too much, you need to get thicker skin, you may be a highly sensitive person. And what I'm so passionate about is we have so many gifts and strengths that when we understand the trait and we understand this is how we're wired and there's nothing wrong with us, we are the healers and the change makers in the world. And I just really want to provide education because when people hear the word sensitivity, we tend to think of somebody who's weak and fragile. And, you know, we are incredibly strong and compassionate. And we just have so many strengths that I just kind of want to sing it to the sing it to the rooftops or sing it from the rooftops. Yeah. I can feel that. And, you know, yeah, all those things you said. I've been described as. So, you know, it is, I already am excited because just hearing the way you're talking about this is like something that often we view as a negative about ourselves and you're talking about it as something that's a gift. And that really, that feels good to me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Do you want to talk a little bit about the trade itself? Yeah, I'd love to because you know, as I said, I don't know that much about it. And I don't know if my audience is really familiar with HSPs either. So let's just like give a basic introduction to what being a highly sensitive person means and looks like. Sure. So in the 90s, Dr. Elaine Aaron started to research the trait. And what she, she came up with four core characteristics that spell out the acronym DOES or DOES, D-O-E-S. So D is depth of processing. We're deep thinkers. We think about the meaning of life. We have a more active prefrontal cortex. So we really reflect on things. We think about how the world is going. So of course, right now, we're going to be having much bigger thoughts and feelings about how people are being impacted. We've got more self-awareness, that little voice that observes what you're doing all the time. It's often a critical voice. That's part of our depth of processing. The O is over arousal and overstimulation. And This is probably one of the most negative things that HSPs experience since our current dominant culture is really about doing. And so much of our strengths have to do with being that we're often the glue that holds our family together, relationships together. People come and tell us their problems. We're very compassionate. We're great listeners. We notice subtle details and we're going to be more emotionally impacted by social stimulation. The E is emotional responsiveness and empathy. And again, for right now, the term I've been using is empathy overload. Yeah. That, you know, when I heard that schools were closed, my I have twin boys that are 19. I don't even know a single parent that has a child in school that is impacted by their kids being home personally. And I felt so much heaviness around that. And it's not like I'm thinking of someone specific, but it's just that imagining what that would be like for a single parent having to work from home or not not be able to work from home and take care of a child. So we have more active mirror neurons, not more mirror neurons, but those Mm. are responsible for feelings of empathy. 
we feel positive and negative things more intensely than non-HSPs. So we bring more emotional intensity and empathy into almost every situation. And sometimes people talk about emotional reactivity. There's, I don't want to go too far into this, but there's often a lot of wounding people that tend to not like their sensitivity. There's wounding. And when we talk about the highly sensitive person that's done their work, it really is a strength, but we need to do our healing with the wounding. And we can we can talk a little bit about some of the numbers because those HSPs that were had difficult childhoods have higher incidence of anxiety and depression. And so that's kind of where that overlay is. But let's just stay on this, you know, for the moment. So with emotional responsiveness and empathy, we're going to be more touched by things in nature. We were creative, we're touched by art, music, poetry. We notice things that other people don't. So being in nature right now, being outside is something that can be incredibly restorative and healing for us. And then the S is sensitive to subtleties. So we notice when the barometric pressure is dropping, some HSPs have perfect pitch. We have more side effects from medications. We're usually more sensitive to changes in temperature. We may notice the sound of a ticking clock or dripping water. We notice subtle details that others miss, nonverbal cues, small changes in the environment. And then we're generally more sensitive to bright lights, loud noises, crowds. You know, and the challenge in talking about this is, we all share certain characteristics and there's still going to be variations. So if you recognize yourself in some of these and not all of them, but what Dr. Aaron says is to be an HSP, you need to have all four core characteristics. So the four characteristics are the D-O-E-S. Yep. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally feel. I can't say I have perfect pitch, but other than that, I think, <laughs> I think yeah, that's, I've got that's all that's not those. a specific one. I don't have perfect pitch. <laughs> and so initially the research said about 15 to 20% of the population are highly sensitive. I'm hearing Dr. Aaron say that it may be as high as 30%. 50% of HSPs are men, 50% are women, 70% are introverts, 30% are extroverts. Interesting. And then there's something called differential susceptibility. And this is what's really important is that if you put an HSP in a positive environment, we fare better than the non-HSPs. You put us in a stressful or poor environment and we're going to do worse than the non-HSPs. So really making sure that we can surround ourselves or create environments that work for us is really what's going to help us thrive. Mm. So I guess let's really think about Related to our current situation for mm-hmm. HSPs, how can this current crisis be impacting them, us? <laughs> yeah. now, now it's my people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, what I can tell you is the first week for me, I felt incredibly heavy and I'm, I'm a crier. I just cry. And so if you know me, you know that I just cry. That's how I heal. The first week, it was very, very heavy feelings because he just was feeling so much compassion and that empathy overload and trying to process and take in information. What I'm hearing from HSPs and non-HSPs is day by day, minute to minute, our mood state can change. Mm -hmm. Many people are saying that it's hard to stay focused. We're easily distracted. For me, like I I can't even watch TV. I'm, I'm doing things just to kind of occupy my mind, but I don't feel as present as I would like to. So for HSPs, of course, we're going to be taking this more seriously. And it really makes me wonder in California, starting tonight at midnight, Governor Newsom suggested that we all wear masks in California. It's not a mandate. And it's so interesting. Every time we have 
uh, shelter in place or this thing about masks. It's so interesting to see who jumps on board and who doesn't. And I anecdotally, I would venture to say that if you're an HSP, you're a good troubleshooter. We, we tend to run a little bit on the anxious side, meaning that we're great at troubleshooting and projecting, looking down the road, seeing what may happen. We're the person, if you're a woman and you have a purse, you probably have tweezers and band-aids and aspirin and, you know, what anybody ever may need. And I was just thinking about this with the masks of, I think the people that are probably jumping on board with the masks, we're looking down the road and going, how can we prevent the spread? So for HSPs, we are going to need to really be mindful of how much we're consuming on social media, the news, where are we getting information from? Because it's so easy to get activated. And if we want to have accurate information, generally, I don't watch the news because it's really too upsetting. And so I've been wanting to stay abreast of this and really noticing how is my mood state, depending on how much news I'm taking in, or if I'm on Facebook, and I'm seeing all these articles that interest me, and I click on them, but it really does affect my mood. Other thing is, is really taking time to get out in nature. I'm, I'm taking much more time to make sure that I'm walking my dog. When I take walks, I'm taking pictures of flowers. I'm posting way more nature shots on all of my social media because I think we just need a little bit of a break and we need to focus on the things that really are working. And connection. I think we really need connection right now coming from a place of service, if that means listening to people. If we need help, I think we really need to be asking for help. and. I think that it's so easy for us to get into the depth of processing and really trying to understand what's going on. And it's easy to get bogged down by that. So for some of us, and I'm one of them, I need to push a little bit more. I need a little bit more structure. I need to make sure that you know, my, my husband's working from home and it's easy for me in the morning to let him feed the dog and walk her. I do better if I get up and take a shower and take her out. That's part of my routine. So for me, I need to push a little bit more. Some people need to slow down. So it just means being mindful to how we're wired and do we need to push a little bit more or do we need to slow down a little bit more? Mm. Well, this is... Like, I know that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, very rich with the information. You know, I think one of the things that grabbed me, I wanted to talk to you about this anyway, but I think in the past week you said something about if you feel moved by art and I'm like, I can walk in front of a painting and I just start crying and I'm and people are like, what's wrong? And I'm like... I just feel a lot <laughs> or, mm -hmm. you know, like going into a beautiful, like, you know, a beautiful cathedral or something that has stained glass windows and really high ceilings. And I'm just like, I, I immediately start crying. I'm completely overcome. And it's not mm -hmm. that I'm a very religious person, but it just impacts me that way. And music yeah. too. I mean, music can completely change my mood from, you know, I can, I can bring myself down just by a certain song coming on. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it's so, I don't know. I was going to say it was weird, but I don't know. Because then part of me is like, well, does everyone feel that way? But, you know, this is just getting me thinking a lot. Yeah. And it's not true for everyone. One of my sons thinks everybody's sensitive. I think he's highly sensitive. He doesn't. But his perspective is, I think everybody's sensitive. So it's it's really interesting. And I think that we tend to think most people think like we do, but we tend to notice a lot of details. We remember things, not in every aspect. There are some areas for me that you you think I'm losing my cognitive function and in other areas, like I just remember incredibly minute details about things and remember where things are. And it's different for everybody. But I think we tend to think that everybody's like that. And then when other people aren't, we're like, what's wrong with you? Right. Yeah. And another thing that comes up for me, and I, you can tell me if I'm right about this, but 
I've definitely realized over time that so often I'll talk about myself, I guess, like thinking about my own childhood where someone was, I've probably maybe said this on the podcast before, but like one thing that I used to feel was being bullied when I was a child was someone would ask me, why do you have red hair? And I felt like Mm -hmm. that was them bullying me. But Mm -hmm. now when I look back, considering the context, I may have been the first person that person ever saw with red hair and they really wanted to know why. But I thought they were singling me out, embarrassing me, you know, and it, and I mean, that is how I felt. So that was real, but also it wasn't what they were intending. And I know there can be other aspects of, you know, when you have been bullied, you become very sensitive to being bullied, but you know, I'm talking when I was like four or five and really I hadn't had any kind of experiences like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so just how sort of it may amplify your perception of the other person's intention, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, this is a big part of being highly sensitive that we often will notice things in people's behavior, but the meaning that we attach to it or what Brene Brown calls the story we make up in our head is not always accurate. And one of the examples that I use is we have a security screen door. I prefer to have the screen door locked. And my husband likes to, you know, he grew up where you don't lock anything and he would go to leave the, you know, go out the door and he'd, you know, get frustrated because it was locked and I could see he was visibly angry. And the story I made up in my head is he thinks I'm hypervigilant. You know, he thinks I'm just being paranoid. And so I asked him, he's like, no, I just forget that it's locked. And knowing my husband, that's accurate. (laughs) You know, this is one of those detail things. And so it's really important when we can check things out with people because we are picking up on something, but the meaning that we attach to it may not be accurate. So it's possible as a kid, people didn't understand what red hair was. Maybe they'd never seen it. And so you were picking up on something, but but the meaning that you attach to it, I I, I don't know. I Mm -hmm. I don't want to make something up. Yeah. Yeah. The meaning I attached was like, some, why are you different? What's wrong with you or something like that? So then that goes back to, I think you said that it's like thinking that something's wrong with yourself. Right. Well, and, and we, you know, again, I, I don't want to make sweeping generalizations, but what I notice is because we are so observant of ourselves, if you have a highly sensitive child, that's the child that you raise your eyebrow to if they do something wrong and they go like, <gasps> you know, mm-hmm. if you have a kid that's not highly sensitive, then you go, look at me. You know, you put their, your hands on their shoulders. You, look at me. I need to talk to you. Your highly sensitive kids are going to be much more perceptive, more sensitive. They're going to take gentle correction. We tend to be really hard on ourselves. We tend to be perfectionistic. Mm -hmm. Many of us don't like conflict. And so setting boundaries can be difficult. It's easier to just go along to get along. I I don't want to say this about everybody. And I think it depends on what your history is. Because so many of the people that I work with have wounding, I'm really fascinated to know about people that don't know that they're highly sensitive because they're just functioning really well. And I interviewed someone on the podcast who, as we're talking, realized that he was highly sensitive and it was just fascinating to me. So I really try and be mindful when I talk about the trait because there is wounding that's overlaid and I'm a wounded healer. I've got attachment wounds. I've got abandonment wounds. It comes up. I manage it. It doesn't run my life, but it's still there as an overlay. And so trying to be mindful about which is the trait of being an HSP and where the wounding comes in. Let's just pause for a moment so I can give you a little bit more information about why I love therapy notes. I switched to therapy notes a few years ago. I'd say it's about three years now, I believe, and I have never regretted it. 
I was very happy with the EHR I used before, but Therapy Notes is more intuitive. I love the interface. The customer service is fantastic. And I love how I can get my notes done quickly because I can customize the template that I use for my notes and there are opportunities to put check marks rather than having to write out the intervention used. So I have cut my time spent writing notes way down, which is wonderful because I like to focus on seeing clients. I know documentation is an important part of our work, but it can also be time consuming. And that is why I love using therapy notes. If you are considering switching EHRs or you're looking for one to use in your practice, give Therapy Notes a try. You can get two free months by using the code TherapyChat. Now let's get back to our interview. Yeah, that's definitely something I'm very curious about right now as a trauma therapist. And, you know, I don't know. Do you think you can talk about that or is that just too complicated? How to sort what's what? I know how to see trauma, but I don't know or attachment injuries, but I don't, I haven't known how to identify someone who is highly sensitive. I'm not a trauma therapist. So let me, let me see if I can piece this together off the top of my head. Hopefully it'll go somewhere. Well, I think you always want to go back to those four core characteristics. And so if you're seeing that depth of processing, the over arousal, overstimulation, emotional responsiveness and empathy and sensitive to subtleties. And that is with what you see with trauma, then you want to tease that out. And so providing some education about the trait would be really helpful. I I went back and really looked over my entire life with the lens of, oh, this is how I'm wired. And it really changed the narrative. And what my thought is that people that experience trauma, I, and this is what I thought, my mom was a single parent, we've done incredibly, we've done really good repair work, but she was just managing to survive. She left home at 16. So she really wasn't, you know, it, I, I don't know how she did it. And so I wasn't allowed to talk about feelings. I had to go to my room if I was going to cry. I had to be very intellectual. There, there were some things that were very, that she did that really were wonderful. And I thought that I was hypervigilant and noticed and could read people's mood states and adjust because I had to do it to survive. What I believe now is that's how I was wired. And it it kept me safe because I was able to figure out what my mom needed and make those adjustments to not make waves. And so I often hear people think that they learn to figure out what people needed because of their environment. And I think that it's really probably what kept us safe and alive. And if we had trauma in childhood, we're going to fare worse than the non-HSPs. And the good news is 50% of clients in therapy are HSPs. And if therapy is a good environment, we do better than your non-HSPs. So there's hope. Yeah. So what would you, when, before we started recording, we were talking about how much therapists can misattune to clients when they don't realize that clients are highly sensitive. So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. And I've had some clients, I've had therapists, clients and clients come to me who work with therapists that didn't know that they were highly sensitive. So a couple of the things that happen, I always tell clients initially that I'm probably going to miss a tune, that I'm going to screw up because I'm human and it's not my intention. And sometimes somebody needs more empathy and maybe I'm coming from a place of giving information 
we often need something pretty specific and we may not know what we need. And so I really talk with my clients about if this comes up, do you think you would be aware of it in the moment? And I can tell you there are a lot of times I'm in a situation and something doesn't feel right and I leave and I go like, what the heck just happened Mm -hmm. that I don't always know that it's happening. And I walk away scratching my head going, why did I let that happen? So we talk about, can you send me an email? Can you tell me about what happened so that we can do the repair work? Because therapy is really about the relationship. And if I'm missing something with you, I really need to know. It's not uncommon for me to give feedback to, I'm really about consent. So I will often say, may I give you some feedback? And the client will agree. And then I often ask, how did that land with you? Because we have blind spots. I have one of my triggers is when people don't respond to me. And with this COVID thing, somebody that I have a membership with, they went online. I've sent a couple emails. I've called. They never got back to me. And this activates me in a really young, ugly way. I mean, ugly. And I just have to know that this goes on for me. I'm like, I showed up in a way that I'm not really happy about. So having that awareness of what happens for us. And so that's a big trigger for me. If someone doesn't respond to me, if you want to make me crazy, don't respond to me. You know, I'm 56 years old. You'd think I'd know better. It's just what happens for me. So having these awarenesses with our clients and creating room for them to be able to talk about it with us is really, really important. And then the other thing that you and I talked about is what I do with my clients. I have days when I'm restless, I'm fidgety. I will let them know at the beginning of session, I'm really tired today. I didn't sleep last night. So if you notice something that's off about me today, that's what it is. Because what's likely to happen is if you're my therapist and you have something going on and you don't tell me and I'm disclosing something that feels really vulnerable to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that you're not as compassionate looking as you normally are. Something is off and we haven't talked about this. I don't know. I'm highly sensitive. I may make that thing of like, ooh, when I talk about this vulnerable thing, you're not really responding as compassionately you do. You you may be judging me. You may be criticizing me. I don't want to talk about this anymore. You don't care. This, you're not interested. And this this may not even be on a conscious level. And so that's why it's so important for us to be able to recognize our highly sensitive clients so that we can lay the foundation to create room for talking about the relationship. Well, thank you. That's very helpful. And I think what you shared about how therapists can help clients who are highly sensitive feel held within the relationship, I'll say, yeah, is that point seems particularly relevant right now because therapists are living through the same crisis that our clients are living through. So, you know, I could have had an extra anxious morning and my client who's highly sensitive may sense something's off with me and they, you know, then feel something that they may or may not really be aware of. And it interferes with our, our connection in the relationship, especially now that we're doing it all by telehealth and there's an additional layer of glass between us. We're not in person. Yeah. So the point that I was going to make is if you're not aware of the trait of highly sensitive, often we're misdiagnosed as having social anxiety. We, many of us, like I'm a highly sensitive extrovert. I thought I was an introvert. If you're highly sensitive and you're an extrovert, you still need alone time. You may not like large groups of people. It may be small groups of people where you're comfortable. You want to have deep conversation, not chit chat. I thought I had social anxiety and I don't. If I'm working with a therapist who isn't aware of the trait, they may try and view me as 
as through an extroverted lens and try and get me to go out and do more, which is totally not going to work for me, that it's really about understanding what comes up. And I, I think for many of us, we probably went into situations where so over aroused, so overstimulated, couldn't get that depth that we needed and that connection. It felt terrible. And we thought, I'm not going back without understanding what was going on. And so again, that's why you want to have a therapist that's aware and can attune with you to really help you see what your strengths are and how to create environments that really work for you in social situations that really fill you up. And if you're a highly sensitive extrovert and right now with the social isolation and you're not getting enough of that, you may feel a little depressed and listless, which is what I, I thought I was an introvert. So I would not hang out with people and then I'd get depressed and couldn't figure out what was going on. Yeah, I think, you know, I was talking about this with my therapist. I was asking him if he thought, um, I'm having another little narrative in my head as I'm imagining my therapist listening to this and being like, oh my God. Anyway, <laughs> there's something about naming something, like naming being a highly sensitive person that is so resonant because the person finally feels like that's it. That's what is going on with me, you know? see that in trauma work, you know, just giving psychoeducation about trauma to help people understand why they feel the way they feel, you know, in reaction to the trauma they experience is just, it's simple, but it's like, yes, that's it. You know, it's like, finally, I could put words to it. it I guess it helps with that making meaning. Absolutely. And I, I think so much shame in place with, you know, if you're a kid and you're worried about something and you have a parent that just doesn't understand, they can be very well intentioned and say, don't worry about it. You know, everything's going to be okay. We learn that how we show up in the world is not okay. So as we continue to grow up and we experience, we give ourselves that message that like, I'm making a big deal out of things. I'm, I mean, I am this sometimes in a restaurant, like I'm not your ideal you know, person to order from. Like I'm your problem person because, you know, I need a special diet where my needs are perfectly okay. There's nothing wrong with having, we've all internalized those kinds of messages. And so when we learn that it's okay, it just makes such a difference. And so being able to name it breaks the shame. And there's a difference of, you know, when you and I, before we recorded today, it's been a hard day. I've shed a bunch of tears. It felt very heavy today. I'm talking about something I'm passionate about right now. So I'm connected. But being able to say what was going on helps me remember that it's not who I am. It's just something that I'm feeling, which is what you're talking about, which is about that healing part that we really need. And for therapy, my personal style is I, I do a lot of I do self-disclosure with the client in mind. And this is not about me needing to talk about myself, but because so many of us have felt like there's something wrong with us, we're in the minority that being able, like with the stuff that's going on right now, I've had talks with clients saying like, I'm having a hard day. I can be here for you, but I'm having a hard day. I just want to let you know this stuff is hard. We don't know what's going on. We're in uncharted territory. Those things for my clients tend to be incredibly validating because I don't have the philosophy that I have all the answers. I don't. I'm, I'm here in the struggle. I'm never going to be in a place where I've got my stuff together. Being human means that it's messy. It's imperfect. We get pockets of joy that we enjoy. We've got deep feelings. We learn to lean into them. Learning to be okay with all of that for me and my orientation is how I talk to my clients. But being able to say like, I hear you. And I often will share about 
you know, things that I experienced in my personal relationships to help them validate, which is also how we show up. And, and then we have this narrative, like you'll share something and I'll go, yeah, I experienced this as my way of connecting. And then my, what I call gremlins will come up and go like, now you're just making it all about you. And what I'm doing is really connecting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I don't know. It sounds like, I don't know if this is part of it, but it sounds like that uh, way of judging oneself being too much. Oh, that's a huge one. The wound of too much. And if you have the wound of too much, you also will have the wound of not enough. I don't matter. What I have to say isn't important. Everybody else has their stuff together. What's wrong with me? It's the same wound. And that's that's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. You were talking, another thing that this reminds me of before we started recording, we were talking about Brene Brown's new podcast. And I think you had something you wanted to say about that. She ta- She's the first person I heard about not enough or too much, which yeah. resonated so much for me. Yeah, definitely. So her new podcast is called Unlocking Us. And I think episode two is called FFTs, which she talks about in relationship to what's going on right now with this pandemic, but when we have a first time experience with something. And so I, I would really recommend it. And the other episode she did is on comparative suffering. And this is so common, especially for HSPs that, so today I'm having a sense of heaviness. I've I've had this this week and I'm thinking I'm sitting in a house full of people that love me and care about me and I'm feeling tremendous grief. I can, I can feel the tears coming up. I'm feeling tremendous grief right now because I have a few relationships with people that we communicate via a, a video platform. We usually talk daily. It's an, it's an everyday part of my day when I walk my dog. And because they're home and their kids are home, they don't have the availability to show up for me the way that they do. Not only am I feeling grief about it, it's triggering my childhood wound of, you know, I'm too much. I've always had a much higher need to connect than most people. So it's really been great finding video apps where I have a handful of people that, you know, I get that connection that I need. And I go into this thing of like, I shouldn't be feeling this because I'm getting all my needs met. You know, I'm having first world problems. And the truth is, I'm missing those connections. Those connections help ground me. They're important to me. I love having that sense of connection with people. And I feel really sad that I don't have it today. And so that's where the comparative suffering comes in, where we go into the minimizing And if we're feeling it, it's real. And if I'm feeling sad because I can't get my nails done or because I want to get my eyebrows waxed, it's okay to it's okay to feel the pain around that. It's really okay. And, you know, we want to go into a narrative of why that's frivolous. And if that's part of what makes us feel good, we can still allow ourselves to have the feelings around it. And then we figure out what the next step is. Yeah, well. Thank you for those examples and for your vulnerability and sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's different. <laughs> this is just such a weird yeah. time. It's Even like if you're safe in swimming, your house and you're with the people you love. It's like swimming underwater. Everything is just new, having to make decisions about things that we've never had to make decisions about. Even as I walk my dog, I see somebody approaching and I get anxious. Are they going to move out of the way? Do I have to move out of the way. My dog is blind. And the other day I had to, you know, there was no place for me to move. So I had to pick up my dog back up, go around the cars into the street. And we vacillate between this fear and vulnerability and then flipping into judgment and anger. And I, I've just been really mindfully observing myself going like, you know, ping ponging from one to the other. 
And to allow for all of that, to know that it's okay. I, I think there's a tremendous amount of beauty and connection and people showing up for each other in ways that we just haven't before. That's also part of what I think is it's the human condition. It's also HSPs want to make the world a better place. We want to do what we can to have that sense of connection and peace and harmony. And so, again, is there a way that we can honor the challenges, the hurts, the loss, the grief? Because there's grief. It, it, it is. And can we focus and make choices to see the beauty and the things that are really working out? It's not an either or. It's a both and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's so good. Just letting that land in my heart. <laughs> yeah. So how how do you. What is your work with HSPs as a coach? How do you, or if you work with them as a therapist, how do you, how's it different? Because you were saying that coaching tends to be more effective for your HSP clients. I find that I really want to get in there and do a lot of tools and helping people figure out ways that they can navigate through life. And for me, I mean, I, I do have therapy clients. I feel like there's so many rules around licensing. It makes me incredibly anxious because I'm a rule follower. And even being authentic and using very appropriate self-disclosure, I still have this feeling like, oh, my God, if someone finds out, I'm going to get in trouble. So for me, coaching feels like it gives me more freedom to show up more authentically with my clients. I have an online HSP course that I teach a couple times a year. We look at mindfulness and self-compassion and creating a lifestyle that honors a highly sensitive person, boundaries, perfectionism, identifying the negative messages and turning them into superpowers, how to communicate authentically and vulnerably. I think the power of the groups are that people get to be in a really small environment. It's online and see other people that show up in the world like them and to really do reality checking so that we kind of have that. It's it's almost like recreating that family that many of us didn't have mm-hmm. to really see what's possible in relationships. So then we can take that to our other relationships and see what's working and what's not and to see what's possible. So with the HSPs that I work with, if they're just learning about the trait, I think you want to learn as much as you can. You want to get that validation, that normalization. You want to turn the perceived weaknesses into superpowers and then do skill building so that we figure out how we can navigate with more ease because we are in the minority. And, you know, one of my favorite stories is when I moved offices in my house, my husband, bless his heart, had painted the other room and there's, you know, yellow poking out from the blue. There's a little blue on the ceiling. Those details, they, I noticed them and I don't like it. So when I moved in the house to a different room, he offered to paint for me. And I said, you know, I'm going to pay to get it done professionally. He says, you're so picky. I'm like, yeah. And had I not done my work, I can guarantee you that for the next five years, anytime something came came up, I'm sure I would have been, that's because I'm so picky. That's because I'm so picky. (laughs) And it's like, those details are really important to me. And so when we know how we are and what our traits are, somebody says, yeah, you're so sensitive. It's like, yeah, what does that bring up for you? It looks like that makes you feel pretty uncomfortable. To be able to really stand clear in that and to not take that on. But until we do our work, we don't know that. And somebody says, you're so sensitive. Like, I know I am. You know, this is just how I'm wired. Maybe you need to be more sensitive. Yeah. Well, and what you were saying about how the the sensitive people are the healers and, you know, the ones who are trying to change the world. I mean, definitely relate to that. And that's that's not bad. That's a good quality. Mm -hmm. No, I, I really believe down in my to 
my toes that we really are the healers. We're the peacemakers. We're the creatives. We're the poets, the justice makers. We have such beautiful gifts to offer the world. And like I said, we're the emotional glue that holds our families together, our relationships together. People come to us. We're very compassionate. We're great troubleshooters, projectors, you know, projecting into the future to problem solve. We make incredible leaders because we really listen. We have a pulse. We want everybody to be seen and heard. We really have amazing strengths. Mm, That's a great place for us to end. I think that feels good to me. So Patricia, first of all, let's, let me give you a chance to tell everyone real quick about your podcast because I'm getting a sense of you from talking with you, but Maybe it would be good to let everyone know what your podcast is about, even though we get the beginning of it, (laughs) unapologetically sensitive. Yeah, my tagline is sensitivity is nothing to apologize for. It's our superpower. And it's really about the strengths that we have because of our sensitivity. And so I do bonus episodes, which are always about something I'm struggling with. I record them. I feel like I shouldn't put this out in the world because it's too vulnerable. But I really want to model how do we how do we navigate our struggles? What do we do? Like I went on social media and these moms that I knew since my kids were little had to get together and I wasn't invited. It really hurt. And I ended up doing three podcast episodes about it. Not that they did anything wrong, but if this happens to you and you feel really wounded, what do you, what kind of work do you need to do on yourself because of that hurt that comes up? So I want to be really clear it's about me and my process. And then I do weekly interviews. And right now I've been really blessed to talk to some experts in the HSP field and we're talking about high sensation seeking and just all kinds of amazing things. I've got researchers and because I'm not a researcher, I need people to break things down, make it really digestible. My listeners have said that they really appreciate that because I need things to be in very, you know, tell me a story. Tell me how this shows up with somebody that it doesn't really off statistics. The podcast can be found on all major platforms. I'm on Pandora, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. You can find out everything you want about me at unapologeticallysensitive.com. I've got videos. I really am incredibly passionate at this point in my life of really just singing strengths from the rooftops. That's wonderful. So thank you. Thank you very, very much for taking the time to talk with me today. You know, it's a, it's a time when I know we're both very busy, very pulled in many directions, feeling a lot emotionally, holding a lot for other people. And the fact that you were willing to share part of your afternoon, I really appreciate it. You're really welcome. And I think that's the other thing that, you know, before we started recording, we had talked about, do we want to put this off? My focus wasn't great today. What I know is to suit up and show up regardless of how I'm feeling. And this gave me that sense of connection. And I was crying this morning about feeling like I was too much and not having a sense of connection. And I felt plugged in and connected. It's been really a blessing to me to feel connected to you. You know, these are the things that we can take note of and really have gratitude for in spite or in addition to having really heavy feelings. So thank you so much for that beautiful connection today, Laura. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You did the same for me. Today's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. There are many ways to keep your practice organized, but Therapy Notes is the best. Their easy-to-use, secure platform lets you not only do your billing, scheduling, and progress notes, but also create a client portal to share documents and request signatures. Plus, they offer amazing unlimited phone support, so when you have a question, you can get help fast. To get started with the practice management software trusted by over 60,000 professionals, go to therapynotes.com and start a free trial today. 
If you enter promo code therapy chat, they will give you two months to try it out for free. Thanks also to DoxyMe for sponsoring this episode. DoxyMe is an easy to use HIPAA compliant telehealth platform that is available in free and paid versions. Get $50 off a paid account by going to doxy.me and putting in the code therapy chat. Thank you for listening to therapy chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you.